Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And today, we're going to be doing the inaugural Ask the Alley Cats segment alongside our other general weekly recaps. But let's just dive right into the Ask the Alley Cats segment. And the first question comes from Ethan Brown. And the question is, who is the top performing transfer slash what position should we target in the portal this year? So, um, we'll obviously take both answers, but you want to go first? Yeah, uh, I think that the top performing transfer this year has been Timmy Horn. Uh, he has just been an absolute nightmare in the middle of the defensive line. He has been great. That's not to say the other defensive transfers have been bad. It's just that Timmy has been lights out this year. Uh, he's his greatest impacts don't go recorded in the stat sheet just because he's just a space eater for the most part. And despite that, he is still recording some statistics. He's getting some TFLs. He had a sack of Spencer Rattler in the OU game. So he's, he's doing some really good things there in the middle. And positions that we should target, uh, Timmy Horn replacements, because he's graduating and he will be out of eligibility after this year. Uh, linebacker, just because we need more depth there. Uh, probably safety. Again, we won't need as many safeties this year just because we have a lot of uh, young talent that's going to start developing, like Marvin Martin. Uh, and then we have some other guys are going to get here, like B.J. Payne and Jordan Perry. And then other positions, I depending on what they think about the QB position, they can maybe look at a grad transfer just to fill the need for one year, just to give the guys... Uh, at quarterback one more year of development if they think that they need it. Uh, an instant impact receiver uh, would be good. Honestly, I think we're going to be fine at tight end, but if we can find a high impact guy, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, just if you had to pick one, though. If I had to pick <clears throat> one, um, I would say probably linebacker. I think. That's what I would roll with right now, I think. Just because that kind of feels like our thinnest position right now. So Okay. So, for my answer, <clears throat> the top performing transfer, in my opinion, and this also comes from off-the-field stuff. It's Eric Munoz. No, it's not. It's Reggie <laughs> Stubblefield. And and it's not only because of the meme of, you know, Sauce Boss, Reggie Stubblefield. The legend. He, yeah, the legend himself. He's a genuinely good player and probably our best player in terms of like middle field coverage he is arguably our only player in middle field coverage. <laughs> yeah yeah and he's just brought a really good like cultural fit to where it was it was like one week of him in manhattan and he suddenly became a top three recruiter in our school in our entire program just because of how much he loved manhattan so it, for the one position we should target in the portal this year I, I think we have to get another Timmy Horn, or at least we have to get another defensive tackle, preferably one with another year of eligibility. So, like, uh, Mba from Independence Community College would be a good choice, but there are a lot of there, there are a lot of defensive tackles that we could pick up in the transfer portal this year. Because I do I like our linebacker depth, not necessarily, but I think that. Defensive tackle is a more immediate problem given who we have behind Timmy. Yep, that is true. And we are bringing back Daniel Green. 
So, assuming that he doesn't transfer or declare early or something like that. Please don't. Yeah, I would really be... I'd be very sad if that happened. I mean, because it would be uh, the... At least at this point, it would be the Nick Allen-Austin Moore show. Uh, assuming that nobody from behind them is able to get ahead. Which, honestly, Pritchard, maybe. Pritchard would probably be able to crew jacks in the way he's been developing from what it sounds like he might be able to. Uh, warm bodies... Literally, any warm bodies. Anyone. Maybe, maybe we can get Eric Munoz a waiver and he can come back. Mm-hmm. But get him another red shirt. Yeah, maybe so. Because he hasn't played in more than four games. He hasn't played in any. I don't think. Yep. So. Yep. But anyway, great question. Uh, next question is from Scott Wildcat, good friend of the show. If you were athletic director at Kansas State, what would be the first and most important things you would do want to accomplish in your first month? So, Connor and I took this question, and we're saying we're going to be co-ADs. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think this is... the same yeah. goals. Yeah, this is a lot easier than us trying to think of different things to do, which would basically be making a big list and excluding each other from taking different things. So, yeah. we're like, we might as well just make the same list. So Yeah, so... First thing we would do is change the reentry policy for football. I think that is an absolute requirement. That's a must. It's going to anger some people that love going out to the tailgates, but I, I simply don't care. I if, Here's what I think about it. If you really want to go out to your tailgate again, there should be an additional surcharge on your ticket for you to add reentry. Yep. I would be able to live with it. And I think a lot of people would stop doing it, but the ones that actually really enjoy doing it would continue. And I simply don't care like if it annoys people because the environment and the third quarter, especially the beginning, is so stale. It's awful. And it doesn't matter how big the game is either. It, like When we were playing OU and not getting absolutely thrashed, they, like, the third quarter environment was terrible. Gone forever. Yep. Another thing that we talked about was finishing uh, the Toynton a baseball stadium put renovation. speakers in the student section yes the student section right now if there's ever a pa announcement we simply don't know what was said yeah like <laughs> it is completely incomprehensible also the stuff that's on the uh the west side the first base the third baseline uh that was supposed to go down the first baseline but then they just kind of stopped mm-hmm. like i remember the original renderings had it going down the first baseline and they just for some reason did not do that uh, that's something I think they could add in, uh, not easily, but it would really complete the look of the stadium. And I don't know, there's not a ton that needs to be done to Toyton after the renovations because it's honestly pretty nice after yeah. the renovations. Yeah. And uh, then the final thing we would do is perhaps the most because this is we all get to do this in one start of a month. We get one month to do these things, so we decided to pick three. <clears throat> We walk up to Coach Kleiman, shake his hand, and say, "Buddy, you have, you you get to keep one of your coordinators. You get to pick which one you keep, but you're getting a new quarterbacks coach." Yep, new new QB's coach is a must. I think I love Colin Klein, but like I he as a quarterback, he just doesn't fit the development that we need. No. He he was a Snyder battering ram qb and he was very very good at it and he was a solid passer as well but it's not like his mechanics were glorious or anything like that no so we need a qb coach that works with the pro style yeah make it if if you don't want to fire him make him in like an assistant qb's coach yeah 
Like if that's what you really want to do, he honestly would probably stick around and do that. He already took a demotion from offensive coordinator to QB's coach to stay here. So he, who knows if he would take another one? He might not, honestly. But you know, that's up to him. Like Randy Hedberg from DSU, so we can be, complete our transformation to an FCS school. I mean, uh, I mean, Randy Hedberg and uh, also uh, Randy Hedberg and uh, Randy Hedberg and then Randy Hedberg. We need him. Yeah, we need we really him so need him. bad. Yeah, we really need him. But anyway, <clears throat> that would be our first month. That, that and also we would eliminate all parking at the football stadium. Complete Gene Taylor's grand vision and just build <laughs> athletic facilities in every parking spot. Uh, and build a lazy river connecting all the Big 12 schools. Yes, go Ema. We will carry out the vision. <laughs> Thank you for your service. We'll take it from here. Yeah. <laughs> lazy river will be built. But yeah, um, first month. Reverse the re-entry policy, start to finish the renovations of Toynton, and tell Kleiman he gets to keep one coordinator and he has to find a new quarterbacks coach. Good question. Yep, thank you, Scott. Next question is from another fellow K-State podcast, the College and Kimball Pod. Be sure to check them out. They're really good. Uh, what is failing the Cats most right now? coordinators and schemes or recruiting slash lack of big time talent this is a fun one uh i have a i think i have a pretty clear answer on what it is i think it's right at this exact moment i think it's coordinators schemes if you had asked me last year the year before i would have said recruiting slash lack of big time talent but right now i definitely feel like it's schemes because we watched this team like for the most part physically dominate its opponents. Stanford's a power five, littered with four stars. Nevada's one of the best G5 programs. Then Southern Illinois, like defensively, like Sands won like atrocious quarter where field position was terrible. They physically dominated them. And they haven't been getting physically dominated by a lot of these other teams that they're playing. They're just out of position a lot. The scheme is just really messing up everything. The coaching has not been great. So I think it's at this rate, it's probably 85 to 90% coordinator scheme. Yeah. So, <clears throat> no one wants to hear the 45-minute coaching rant. I, I mean, maybe someone does, but it, the, now's not the time or the place. I will say <clears throat> that it is predominantly coaching slash schemes. And the, let me tell you why it is especially so. Because you could make a pretty convincing argument that you can make any group of players work if you have the right scheme. And I know this because Cincinnati has been defensively dominant and offensively dominant for several years now, despite not having the same level of talent of, say, in Notre Dame, who they beat, Georgia, who they played very close, Indiana. Indiana, who they beat. They don't get as many recruits as they do, but because their defensive scheming is so solid and their coaches know what they're doing, they're able to not only be competitive in a lot of cases, but win. So, but that being said, I understand why people often chase after recruits and want to say, oh, it's a, it's a talent issue. But um, I'll say it, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If your scheme doesn't work because you don't have your perfect players for it, maybe it's just not a good scheme. Or maybe you're coaching the scheme very poorly. 
Yeah. Uh, either that or just run a scheme that benefits your defense the best. I get if you're trying to implement something new, but you can't force it to players that aren't built for something. Like, which I think they're trying to fix right now, but we're kind of caught up in the middle of it right now where mm-hmm. we aren't quite in a 4-2-5 personnel sort of area, but we aren't quite ready for the 3-3-5 either in terms of depth. No. So it's kind of a pretty – it's a pretty awful position to be in. Yeah. I, I'm not too worried about it two years down the road because a lot of the guys we're getting right now fit the 3-3-5 really well. Like Devontae Pritchard and Crew Jackson. I know I just brought them up, but they're perfect examples. Ozzie Hoffler is another really good example. So they're And A.J. when we inevitably get Yeah, A.J. Hoffler when he, when he obviously will be committing. B.J., uh, Jordan Perry. Like these are all guys that are going to fit our scheme really well, I think. Marvin Martin, like, but we don't have some of them we don't have yet, and the rest of them are very, 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 very young. So maybe for now we should edit the scheme to where we make it as easy for the players on the field to do their job as possible. Yeah. Which clearly either we aren't doing or that's not working, which is even more concerning. <laughs> so. Yeah. So the short, long, long answer short, I it's mostly coaching and scheme. I, I wouldn't even say it's scheme because this is a scheme that could work. There are just a couple of, let, let's call them fundamental misunderstandings and fundamental coaching mistakes in how the 335 is being coached. Or maybe I'm just an idiot and he's, co- or in Klanerman's coaching it right, but no one is learning it. I sincerely doubt that because you think of about 18 people getting in on a defensive rotation, one person would know what they're doing. Somebody would do the right thing by accident at some point. Yeah. Like, but clearly that hasn't happened. So I'm assuming that they're just trying to add their own wrinkle to it, but it's not working. Yeah. But they're doing it in a way that fundamentally undermines the rest of the defense. I don't know. We're speculating. I mean, we'll have to, we'd have to watch hours and hours and hours of film to really get a proper look, I yeah. think, and like really completely digest everything they're doing with the three three five. And that, and a lot of that would be watching and getting access to practice film. Yeah, which is never no, happening. <laughs> we're not getting. We're not. We're never going to get all twenty two. No, that's never happening. No. But yeah. Either way, thank you for the question, College and Kimball. Yes, nice, nice question. Yep, thank you. And the next question is from Alex Pogue. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, in a hypothetical scenario where K-State football was going 0-6 in the remaining games and basketball was going to go 18-0 and in conference play, if you had the option to buy football wins at the cost of two basketball wins each, how many would you buy, if any? I adore this question. This is an excellent question, Alex. So, the... The counter question that I have, and we'll give answers for, for both answers to this question, is do we get to pick which victories we get? That that's the that's the question. Do we get to pick which victories we get? If yes, I'm picking three conference victories to get us to bowl eligibility so Connor can be happy and we get sent to the Liberty Bowl. No. And <laughs> we end up going uh, Twelve and six in conference play, and we beat KU both times. <laughs> if we don't get to pick, I'll go ahead and just take four 
uh, football wins and take going 10 and 8 in conference in basketball. Yeah, I think I'm Ace's second answer no matter what. I think I'm going to take the four dubs in football and 10 and 8 in basketball because 10 and 8 in the Big 12 is actually really good, <laughs> especially this year because I think the Big 12 in basketball is going to have another very nice season. Texas is going to be a legitimate threat this year to make a run in the tournament. KU's KU. Baylor's like not going to be Baylor of last year. They're not just going to destroy everything on earth. Yeah, they're but, not going to face roll everyone. Yeah, but they're they're still going to be good, and they're they're going to be a top tier team. Texas Tech will still be good, uh, and then really the only teams in the Big Twelve, the only team I would say that's actually going to be just atrociously horrible is going to be Iowa State. I think. TCU probably won't be great either. K-State won't be amazing, but we're not going to be anywhere near as bad as we were last year, I don't think. Hopefully. I think we're going to have a mediocre season. I think that we should be on the bubble for the tournament. I mean, that's the goal this year. Like, I think if we don't make it this year, I think Weber should uh, gracefully bow out. But if we do make it and maybe win a game or two, then he can stick around. But, yeah, I think I'm going to take the 10-8 and in conference play for basketball, and we go 7-5. and according to my calculations in football. So that way I want to do everything possible to have both a respectable basketball season and also not go the Liberty bowl in football. (laughs) We're going to the Liberty bowl boys. I sincerely think I would rather miss a bowl game than go to the Liberty bowl. You don't mean that. I almost do. (laughs) I'm very close to me. (laughs) Nothing good ever happens in the Liberty bowl. So, and it's also just an awful venue. I'm just going to drop this before we go into a tangent. Um, You don't want this to be like the third episode. No, I don't. But (laughs) basketball, also 10 and 8 in basketball. K-State's going to have a very difficult out-of-conference schedule. We're going to have to play Arkansas and then either Cincinnati or Illinois. We're going to be playing Wichita State. We're going to be playing on the road in Nebraska. We have Marquette. We're going to play at Ole Miss. We're going to have some very challenging games. I I may have missed one, but it's going to be a very difficult out-of-conference slate. Uh, we're going to have to play another MIAA team, so that's going to be really tough as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Our hometown MIAA yeah, team. Yeah, Pitt State's coming to town, so we'll, we'll get Pittsburgh's to walk. Pittsburgh's not a state. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are Gorillas. Gorillas. <laughs> Go Cats versus Gorillas. Oh, God. Gorillas versus Catsketball. Cat. I still love that so much. <laughs> so... That's actually a really good question. Thank you, Alex. And the final question is from Evan Shanan... Oh, no. Shananalak. Not Shananalanalanalak. Shananalanalanalak. Shananalak. Shananalak. Who are your biggest surprises on offense and defense this year? Well, oh, it's positive. Who are your biggest surprises positive on offense and defense this year? I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Offensively, uh, I'm going to roll with Hadley Panzer, uh, I think, on the offensive line. Uh, he has been – it's been surprising that he's been filling in and doing so admirably uh, as only a – I believe he's a true freshman. He's either a true freshman or redshirt freshman. I don't recall exactly which. But he is a very young player nonetheless. I think he was a gray shirt as well. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's doing as well as he is is very impressive to me. Man, it's very clear to me that he's going to be, I think he's going to basically a pencil in at starting right guard next year, in yeah. which case we'll finally start to have some like consistent play on the right side of the line. Finally! 
hate. I, I mean, he's not going to start guard or center. I think is probably what's going to happen for him. He's definitely not a tackle. Like he's not versatile like Cooper Beebe is. So, mm-hmm. but he'll be. He's to not me, built different. Yeah, he's not built different like Cooper Beebe, but he is really good. And he's going to take up on those interior spots. So I really like Panzer. Uh, maybe honorable mention goes to like Philip Brooks. He's I think our leading receiver right now, which I did not expect. He kind of developed some receiver skills. Stole my answer. Sorry, <laughs> but defensively. I think I'll go with Felix Anidike because, I mean, yeah, he's been incredible. And we kind of thought that was going to happen, but he's been even better than I thought he would be. Like, I know that we were told going into the year that he was going to have a really monster season. But I was like, yeah, okay, he'll probably have five sacks. And he did it in three games. And I was like, okay. so okay then. (laughs) All right, so he's actually really good. But Felix Anidike, I think, it's been surprising that, he somehow exceeded the high standards that he's had, at least so far. So Yeah. So my biggest positive surprises on offense, it definitely just has to go to Phillip Brooks. Because Connor and I have both had this view of Phillip Brooks for a while, that he's like he's he's a really good returner, but he doesn't have a lot of really good receiver skills. Apparently he heard us thinking that, because I don't think we ever said it on an episode. He must have heard us thinking that and said, lol, okay, and then decided he was an amazing receiver, like a really good slot receiver for no good reason. Yeah, don't know where that came from, but he's been pretty reliable this year. He had a pretty bad drop against Iowa State. But, but other than that, he's been yeah. the go-to third down target. Yeah, like for Skyler or Howard, it feels like. so. Yeah, so on offense, it's probably Philip Brooks. And on defense, I'm actually going to go TJ, TJ Smith, because he's had he, he's had a couple of moments to where it was not the greatest, but he's been surprisingly, like, solid. I After what I saw last year, all I saw was, like, okay, he's a diamond dozen, like, hard-hitting safety. No, he showed, like, genuine coverage ability when not lined up against someone who's a foot taller than him. Um, plus... It's a big surprise. He has not been ejected for targeting this year. <laughs> yeah, good for TJ. Yeah, we were literally putting the over-under, like, two or three games for times he gets ejected. We should have been talking about Daniel Green, I Apparently guess. Apparently so. Yeah, but TJ, he hasn't gotten ejected a single time yet. Very proud of him. So, good job, TJ. Yeah. Way to go, TJ. Yeah, that was the first ever Ask the Alley Cat segment. I really enjoyed it. Yep. Uh, one more surprise, Ty Zentner, uh, Ray Guy Award uh, favorite, I would say. There's not a special teams category, but Ty Zentner's just awesome. True, I agree. Yeah, Ty Zentner, uh, maybe slot then it. Just say, excuse me, special team surprises. Yep. Yeah, that was the first segment of uh, Ask the Alley Cats. Yeah. Um, I want to make this a monthly thing, honestly. I I would like to do it more, uh, especially with uh, basketball coming up. So the next time we'd be doing it is uh, like Thanksgiving week of like in November. So basketball is going to be getting underway. Uh, that would be the week that we have the uh, uh, Hall of Fame Classic in Kansas City with Arkansas, Cincy, Illinois. So that that'd be a pretty good time to do it. That and Texas will be coming up for football on Black Friday. That that seems like a perfect window to do it. Yeah. So begin thinking about your questions now, or else. Or else there will be consequences. But yeah. So now let's move into the weekly recap. We're going to go over soccer, volleyball, and across country. Let's start off with soccer. Unfortunately, the soccer cats 
lost to the Oklahoma Sooners in Norman by a score of 1-2, to two, which, you know, you never really like to see or you like to hear, especially losing in Norman because apparently the entire state of Oklahoma is now cursed for any K-State team. But it was not necessarily the worst victory, I mean the worst loss in the world, but Connor has stats, and there's one that's especially odd. Yep, so... As they said, this was a 2-1 victory for OU. Uh, the first goal was scored in the 21st minute by OU. Um, K-State scored right at the beginning of the second half in the uh, 46th minute. And then just a couple minutes later in the 49th minute, OU responded. And that was it for scoring this match. Uh, but the interesting thing here is that K-State actually outshot OU. And it wasn't by a little bit. It was by a, a solid amount. Uh, K-State had 18 shots, 7 on goal. Oklahoma had 12 shots, 5 on goal. So it's weird to see that considering we've been getting like doubled up in shots and shots on goal recently. So it's odd to see the tables turn where we're putting up way more shots than our opponent, but we aren't getting the shots to get home. So it's kind of a how the turn tables moment, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, and then Cats only got one corner kick to four for OU. Cats had three saves. OU had six. And then 12 fouls for the Cats to 10 for OU. So, again, kind of a tough loss. K-State and OU are pretty similar standing in the Big 12. So this was this was a loss to appear on the road. So it does, it does really stink uh, to lose to them. But, you know, you, you can't win them all. And... It was a pretty admirable effort, but nonetheless, there's not many games remaining this season for soccer. They're, if they need one more win to have their best season ever, I would honestly contend this is already their best season ever with the uh, results against West Virginia and Baylor. Yeah. So I, I think it's safe to say that. But they, if they can win one of these last two, especially considering one of their opponents is ranked uh, 11th TCU on Friday... Uh, that would really seal the deal as this being a successful season. For even if we K-State. draw against TCU. Even, yeah, a draw against TCU would be unbelievable, honestly. In conclusion, ranked teams do not score against K-State. That, that is the only logical conclusion that you can come to in that situation, I would say. But yeah, um, we have one-two loss at OU. Uh, then next or this Friday, the 22nd, they'll be at TCU in Fort Worth. And then next Thursday, October 28th at 7, they come home for senior night against the Iowa State Cyclones. So that will be the last game of the year. It will also be their first home game in almost three weeks. So be your last shot to see Brooklyn Ents in a K-State uniform. So you may want to get out there and give her a watch because she is pretty incredible to watch. She just It's hilarious to watch her play because it's just its just so obvious how much better he is that she is than literally everybody else on the pitch at all times. Yeah. Like, like the only thing she can't do is score at will, but she can basically dribble around the first two people that get to her, yep. like, effortlessly. So, yep. Next up is the volleyball recap. We waited last time to uh, the end of the first West Virginia game, which was on TikTok night, which we won, what was it, 3-1? to one? Uh, Yeah, that sounds right, 3-1. to one. And then we followed it up by having dollar night, and we got 0-3'd. So... <laughs> yeah, I'll look at the box score here. I actually haven't looked at it. And 
Yeah, this just it looks bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Oh no, that's bad. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe these were close. I mean, the last one kind of was, but yeah. Basically, how this went was first set West Virginia wins 25-14. Second set they won 25-20. The third set they won 25-22. So it got closer as it we went. Improved. Yeah, we did improve, but yikes. Uh, I'm looking through here at the stats. Uh, Aaliyah Carter had a not particularly incredible day. She had 41 attack attempts, 14 kills, 8 errors, for a hitting percentage of .146. That is tough. Uh, Holly Bonday, kind of tough day as well. 32 attack attempts, 7 kills, 4 errors. Uh, Jaden Nemhard had 16 attack attempts, 3 kills, 6 errors for a attack percentage of negative .188. A, the rare negative hitting percentage, just with, <laughs> with the the more errors than kills, that is a yikes. As a team, nobody hits better for the Cats than .222. So that really, really tough day, K-State, attacking-wise. Uh, West Virginia honestly didn't have a great day hitting either. They just did better, and that's all they really needed to do. Yeah. So, but yeah, unfortunately, the Cats unable to even get a single set against the Mountaineers in their second game. We are but. currently playing TCU, and then we play them again tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. But one more news for one more bit of news for volleyball is we have all Big 12 uh, honors to mention, or at least Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week honors. That goes to Mackenzie Morris for her performances against West Virginia last week. Yep, I'll take a look here at the stats. Yeah, she had 22 digs, which was 12 more than anyone else in the <laughs> 03 loss. So that seems good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not as knowledgeable on like defensive stats in volleyball. And then I'll look again here for the stats from the win. Yeah, she had 19 digs. So she was doing pretty excellent back there. I believe she plays that position that's like in the back. It has the weird name. I think it's Libero. And where it's like they wear the different colored shirt and they have some weird rules. Mm -hmm. I don't completely understand it, but it's basically like they can sub in whenever and but they have to stay in the back. It's okay. apparently it exists so short people can play volleyball is basically what it Yo, is. Let's go. So <laughs> Yeah, she you know Ends up winning a uh, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. So, good job, Mackenzie Morris. Yep. And finally, the last bit of part of the recap is the cross-country team, both men's and women's, at the pre-national invitational at Florida State. Men's placed fourth, women's placed 27th. I uh, Cross-country is a hard sport to talk about. Yeah, um, like I'm confused on some stuff in the scoring as well because K-State finished 27th and KU is 26th, but K-State had a faster average time and total time than KU, but they still finished behind them because their points were lower. And I'm not sure how else you earn points in cross-country other than running. So <laughs> if somebody would like to explain the intricacies of cross-country scoring to us in on Twitter or something, just either shoot Please. us a DM or like educate everybody under the uh, <laughs> under the post. Because yeah. I'm sure because I mean we can't I'm sure be the only people. Confused. Yeah, I'm sure many people want to know. But yeah, the cats had a difficult day running. Uh, nobody finished better than 114th for the women. However, 
On the other hand, the men had an excellent day. They finished fourth out of 30... Oops, I sent the window away. I think it's 33, but it's refusing to scroll. 31. And they had not a top 10 finish, but they just had everybody finish pretty highly. So they had 22, 29, 30, 31, 37, 39, 45. So they just had a lot of pretty good performances, which was enough to get them fourth, which I don't know if that gets them into nationals. I'm not really sure how that works for cross country. It looks like the next thing they have is big 12 championships next Friday. That's in Stillwater. And then they'll have regionals in (laughs) Iowa city. And then they'll go back to Tallahassee for the NCAA championships. So K state men's cross country going for a natty, I guess. (laughs) No, we're going to get that natty off our back. Finally. Virginia tech will be the last (laughs) power five without a natty. Uh, I, I wish you luck, Virginia Tech. Honestly, I can't. I could have sworn they won a football natty while Frank Beamer was there. Nope. I guess not. Nope. So, but at least we have a friend that doesn't have a natty. I feel like Virginia Tech's kind of a kindred spirit. Yeah, in like, a lot of ways. Like, they have a weird, like, pregame tradition that they do, too, that no one else really. Well, other people get Enter Sandman more than they get Wabash Cannonball. Yeah, it's honestly really cool. It's, like, something that's, like, on my college football bucket list. I'd really like to get out there and see that sometime. Yeah, I would also like to go to Wisconsin to see Jump Around. That would be. Apparently, their student section, like, doesn't show up for the first half, and they get there for Jump Around, and then they just leave. (coughs) At least when the team's bad. When they're good, they're there. But, like, I don't know, like, it seems like some teams that traditionally are good, like, they just kind of get exposed whenever they start to lose, like, their student sections. Like, they just don't show up. At least our student section has, like, been showing up still. Yeah. Like, I still think – I know there are a bunch of concerns about football, and this kind of outside the scope of the episode. There are a bunch of concerns about football. Like, oh, uh, people won't show up. Uh, incorrect. Non-students will not show up. Students will still show up. Yeah, students will still show up because they're already in town and they're already generally pretty close. Like most of them can just walk and the ones that don't generally will like find a ride. They'll find a way to get there. I can throw a baseball and I'll hit the stadium. <laughs> That's a really long throw, but like if it rolls well, actually, well, I don't know. That would be a cannon. I got a cannon, bro. All right, so Ace has to walk on the baseball team, remember? Oh, right, that is true. That's a story for another time. There are (laughs) a bunch of stories for another time. (laughs) But, yeah, we're going to forget all the stories for another time. No, I remember two of them. Wait, what are the other ones? Tell me after the episode. Oh, coaching staff. Coaching staff and walk-on baseball. Walk-on baseball. Yeah, okay, those are are two stories that, like, actually do need to be told sometime. Maybe, like, we'll say that for the off-season. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll need content for the off season. No, so. we're just gonna do one one episode per month from the off season. Oh dear. After doing what, one per week during summer when nothing was happening? I don't know how we managed to find content to talk about. Well, granted, we for like the first two months literally nothing was happening. So but then realignment started and And then we felt pain. <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden there was a lot to talk about and I did and all of a sudden I went from wanting something to talk about desperately to wanting absolutely nothing to talk about ever. You just wanted to cancel the show. I, I really did at that the point. The short lived Aggie Cats podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll go down in history. But yeah. yeah. That pretty much concludes this recap episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats, excuse me. I have a 
I had a headache the past few days, and all the drainage that was in my forehead has gone to my throat, and it kind of sucks. Pain. Pain. Agony, even. (laughs) But if you want to contact the show or reach out to us on social media, we are at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Bouncesor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show on a more financial note, be sure to check out our merch store where we have such designs as Play Sandstorm, Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.